So this morning, I am endeavoring to do something that I have been wanting to do for many years. And uh, this, this is the Sunday where it finally has come, come to fruition. For many years, I've wanted to do a narrative of this incredible story from John chapter 11. And so for whatever reason, as I was looking at this date on the calendar, it just percolated in my mind, in my spirit, that this was the Sunday, this was the day, this was the time to try to pull it all together. And so uh, I pray that the Lord has been leading me in that, and that as I've been preparing, that as I share this morning, that you will be blessed by it. And uh, it's written from the perspective of Martha. And so uh, there's something about Martha's perspective that just captivated me in a way that I'd never been captivated before. Her struggle, her wrestle with faith and doubt and, and everything that it entailed in the face of such tragedy and such suffering. And it all came to a head in such a powerful way. And so um, it just captured me, and I pray that this morning the story will come alive for you in a way that it maybe never has before. So I'd ask you to bow with me, and let's pray that God would anoint his word. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you are a God who cares so deeply for each and every one of us. We take it so often and so easily for granted that, of course, you do. But when we look at your word and and Jesus, when we look at you and we try to imagine you, we try to imagine what did you look like? What did you sound like? What was your spirit like when you interacted with these people in the flesh, in real time, in real circumstances, in real tragedies? And in my mind's eye, I, I try to see you. And in you, we see such beauty, such grace, such love, and such power. It, it is just incredible. And so, Lord, as we this morning try to see you a little bit more clearly, I pray, Holy Spirit, speak through me. And I pray, speak to each one of us, whatever our circumstances And Lord, I I believe that there's people here this morning that you have brought for this message, for this time. And so I pray, Lord, that you would just minister, bring encouragement, and most importantly, bring hope. Because you are the God of hope, and in you our hope is living, it is active, and it reaches, yes, even into the grave and beyond. This is the God that we believe in. And so, Father, speak through this word, through me, your servant, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Where is he? What is taking him so long? What could possibly be more urgent than this? All of those questions and more raced through the anxious woman's mind as she stopped at the end of her lane and peered intently up the road to the west for what seemed like the hundredth time that day. Straining her eyes, she could just see the crest of the Mount of Olives, but still she could see no sign of the Master, and none of the telltale signs of his coming either. 
There was no increased flow of people carrying their sick out to meet him. No rushing children up the road to inform their parents that the miracle-working rabbi would soon be passing by. No, all she saw were a few road-weary travelers walking up from Jericho on their way to Jerusalem. Uh, A farmer carrying a load of pomegranates on his shoulders as he went to the village market. And there were some children playing in the olive grove next door. But still, no sign of the master. She hung her head and fought back the tears of despair that she felt welling up in her eyes once more. Despite her forced cheerfulness when attending her, her sick brother's bedside, she knew that he had taken a turn for the worse that night. The illness had started out innocently enough. I'll be fine, he had reassured them. Just a good night's rest. That's all I need. But then the next day he was worse, flat in bed, flushed with fever. With every passing night, he just kept getting worse and worse. She and her sister had done everything that they knew how to do and more. They had called in the village healers with their herbs and remedies, but nothing was worth working. Nothing was helping. And now with each passing hour, as it slipped by minute by minute, they could see him slipping away from them further and further as the sickness And the fever just squeezed the life out of him. But yet, yet, even in the face of death, they still had hope. Yes, there was still hope. It wasn't over yet. How many times hadn't they been encouraging each other with the words, everything will be all right. The master will be here soon. Yes, yes, he will be here soon. And the moment he arrives, everything will be better. Everything. Just one touch, one word, one look. That's all it would take. And she just knew, deep down in her heart, she knew that her brother would just spring up out of that bed as though nothing had been wrong in the first place. (laughs) Yes, of course. She didn't doubt. She didn't fear. No, Jesus was coming she had seen his, some of his miracles with her own eyes. She had seen how he had healed so many others. And so, of course, when it came to it, of course, of course, her brother would be healed. They just had to hold on just a little bit longer. Just a little bit longer. But, oh, if he would only hurry. What could possibly be keeping him so long? Why is he staying away? You see, many long days had already come and gone. They'd sent out the messenger with all haste to carry the master this urgent word, one message, one sentence, but they knew it was all it took. Lord, the one who you love is sick. The one you love. Could they have possibly been any more clear? After all, her brother wasn't just one of those other countless strangers that he'd healed along the roadside or the beggars in the streets. No, no, no. Her brother was one of the master's closest friends. Someone who he had freely and openly expressed his love and deep affection for. Someone who he had shared so many intimate moments together, far from the press of the crowds. Yes, their their little home had been like his personal retreat. 
a peaceful sanctuary to escape from the never-ending demands that the crowds and the people placed upon him. Yes, certainly, if, if anyone, anyone could impose on the master to just drop everything and come quickly, it was they. Lord, the one you love is sick. Shouldn't that have caused him to just drop everything and come running? And yet... He stayed away. But why? Why? Didn't he care? And with a conscious effort, she pushed those thoughts back and reminded herself that she had not a shadow of a doubt that if only the master would arrive, he could, and yes, he would, heal her brother. And yet, for the first time, the fear that she had been holding in check, holding at bay as, as well as she could, locking and barring that door to that fear, it finally began to boil up in her mind. What if? What if he doesn't get here in time? What if he's too late? What if my brother? What if? Martha, come quick, hurry! Her sister's shrill voice rang out from the house behind her, and despite the heat of the day, she felt a cold chill run through her body. Stifling a moan, she turned quickly back towards the house, hoping against hope that her brother could just hold on a little bit longer. But as she raced back down the lane towards the house, deep down in the pit of her stomach, she knew, she knew, this was it. Lazarus was going to die, and Jesus was nowhere to be seen. He was too late. She felt numb, empty, depleted. Her eyes were red and bleary from days upon days of tears. They came and went in violent waves as the grief just washed over her again and again and again. She would dry them, thinking, I have no more tears to give, only to have hours later them overwhelm her once more. And there, Mary and Martha sat in the center of their home, clad from head to toe in the black garments of grief. And there, hand in hand, they clung to each other. They clung to each other for survival, to not be washed away in the torrent of their emotion and their grief. And as they clung to each other, they felt each other's pain as well as their own. And all around them, they were surrounded by relatives, neighbors, and friends, all gathered. Very few words were spoken. Very few words were needed. Many hugs were given and tears shared. As those around did what they could to take care of the details of life that now seemed so utterly, utterly meaningless to Mary and Martha. Normally, Mary would have been in her element in this setting, hustling and bustling about, hosting and feeding so many guests. She loved that kind of a thing, but she, too, was stunned. Her vitality drained. Even eating for basic sustenance now seemed difficult to her. A full four days had passed since their brother's death. The entire village of Bethany had gone through the ritual custom of mourning complete with all the extravagance. Professional wailers with the, with the funeral procession. A large gathering of people following behind through town down the main street on the way to the tomb. 
Lazarus had been well known and respected in the entire region. And so many, many people had come to the burial to pay their respects and to comfort the sisters. Many had stayed. But now four days had passed, and all hope had passed with them. Lazarus was now long dead, his body anointed, wrapped, and buried. Now all that remained was the sisters' grief and their burning questions. Where was Jesus? How, after four days, had he not even bothered to come and console the grieving sisters? How had he stayed away and not even offered his sympathies? She was so confused. She didn't even know what to think. But she knew what she felt. And what she felt was hurt, angry, betrayed. How could Jesus heal so many others, strangers, outcasts, lepers? How could he go along healing all of them, but just when his closest friends needed him the most? They'd never asked anything of him before in their lives, and the one time they asked, Lord, come quick, the one you love is sick. He stayed away. How could there be love in that? How could he still say that he truly cared for them and is nowhere to be found right when they need him the most? Miss, Mar- Miss Martha, Miss Mary, he's coming. Martha peered out from her black morning shawl as the breathless boy ran up in front of her. Who's coming? The master. The master is coming. He's just up the road. A sudden surge of anger shot through Martha and lifted her to her feet. She looked down at her sister. Mary, let's go. But the look in Mary's eyes said otherwise. As suddenly more hot tears rolled down and she choked out the words, I, I can't. I can't see him. Not yet. Not yet. And so without another word, Martha turned and she was out the door. Her mind churned and her heart pounded in her chest as she marched down the lane and up that road. The week's worth of pent-up frustration and the unexplained absence was just filling her with this unexpected energy. And she needed him to know how deeply she was hurting. She needed him to know how betrayed she felt that he had not come. She needed him to explain himself. Why? 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 Why had he not come? Why had he not saved Lazarus? Why not the one you love? And then there he was. She didn't even notice all the usual signs of his passage. The children running. The sick being carried out on mats to the roadsides. The crowd following behind. Always the crowd. Or the twelve disciples at his side. All she had eyes for was him. Jesus at the center of it all. He was the center. He was always the center of everything that happened. Her eyes locked on to his. And seeing her black garments, the crowd suddenly realized who this woman was. They stopped at a respectful distance. And as they approached one another, Jesus only had eyes for her. And such a look was in them. A look of such compassion and love that it made her suddenly stop short as they approached one another. It was a look that she had seen many times before, but somehow different. 
It was reminding her of that time when when they'd been together and she'd been sitting at Jesus' feet and her sister had tried to get Jesus to scold her for not helping in the kitchen. That look in his eyes. No one else in existence could look at you the way Jesus did. He had such a way of looking at you that no matter when, no matter where, it was as though you were his only concern in the world. As though He had never even noticed anyone else except you. And his sole focus was on you and you alone. And then when he he looked at you, it was almost as though he was looking inside of you. Almost as though he already knew what was there, even before you said a word. And yet, the words poured out of Martha's aching heart just the same. Lord, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. There it was. She had said it. Now he knew. But still something deeper came out of her. And yet I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Would he hear her questions? Would he know her pain? Where were you? Why didn't you come? Why didn't you save the one whom you loved when you so easily could have? And for a long, slow moment, Jesus just looked at her. And then he replied gently, Your brother will rise again. At just the sound of his voice, Martha's heart surged, and she knew deep down that his words were true. And yet others had said the exact same words to her as well. For of course, all the good and God-fearing Jews, yes, they believed in the final resurrection. Her voice was low. Yes, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus' voice was as gentle as a breeze and yet somehow as powerful as the crashing surf as he replied, His words filled with humility and yet ringing with complete authority all at once. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then with only the slightest of pauses, Jesus' focus upon her somehow intensified as the words rolled forth directly at her, piercing her very soul with the question, Do you believe this? And from somewhere, deep within her, her spirit stirred. And then it surged, and finally it soared, as the answer poured forth from her lips with words that she had never dreamt of before, nor knew where they came from, and yet somehow they poured up from within her with such certainty and conviction that she surprised even herself. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And at hearing those words... Jesus did not say another, but a warm smile crossed his face. And for the first time in weeks, Martha smiled back. She didn't know why, she didn't know how. She just knew that Jesus was here, finally. Jesus was here, and somehow, someway, everything would be all right in the end.
Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary's accusation echoed her sisters as there she lay prostrate on the ground before the master. There she was weeping on Jesus' feet, anointing them with her bitter tears and her raw grief. The worried caregivers who rushed behind her all stopped short at the utterly pitiful, plaintive, and yes, shameful sight. A woman dared not speak to a man alone in public, let alone weep upon a great rabbi's feet. But all pretense was gone. All niceties stripped away. All that remained was Mary's raw grief and her question. Where were you, Jesus? Where were you when I needed you the most? Where were you when our Lazarus was racked with pain and fever? Where were you when I held my dying brother in my arms? And Mary's body shook as great sobs racked through her. Tears and more sobs followed from the crowd behind at this pitiful sight. But then a hush fell over the crowd as Jesus' words rang out. Where have you laid him? Jesus' face and eyes were dark with a cloud of barely contained emotion. Grief and compassion and love all intermingled there. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then, as though as one living body, they all began to move up the path towards the tomb. The older ladies helped Mary up off the ground and along the path. Martha, with her arm around her, supporting her from the other side. And this processional was quite unlike the earlier processional, with its professional mourners and the the customs and the words and the scriptures. No, this processional was real and raw and spontaneous. It was devoid of any show or ritual, and at its head was its chief mourner, the master. Jesus himself. For upon arriving at the tomb, Jesus wept. No one gathered had ever seen such a sight. No one had ever experienced such a thing. Never had such compassion been seen by any other rabbi. Never such love felt. As there the master stood, tears unashamedly and freely rolling down his face and anointing the ground. And as Martha clung to her sister, watching Jesus through her own tear-filled eyes, she wondered, had ever such tears been shed? For it was almost as though, in that moment, Jesus wept not only for her brother, not only for her, not only for Mary, not only for the crowd. It was almost as though Jesus wept at the indignity of death itself. As though he wept for all mankind from all of time who had ever had to face death alone and without hope. And as she watched in wonder, Jesus' sacred tears continued to flow and water the earth. See how he loved him. Martha could hear the crowd's awed murmur behind her at the sight of the weeping rabbi. But there were harsher, biting whispers that quickly followed. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind not have kept this man from dying? And there it was, again, the burning question. If he had loved him so, and he had the power to heal him, which he had proven time and time again, why hadn't he? 
Why had he stayed away and let this man die? Take away the stone. Jesus' words flashed through the crowd's murmur like lightning and they rolled on like thunder. Take away the stone. Completely stunned, no one moved. Not even Jesus' own disciples. Not speaking another word, Jesus turned and he looked at Martha. His eyes flashed in her mind the question that he had asked her only minutes before on the road. Do you believe? But that, that had been spiritual. This, this was physical. How far did Jesus expect her belief to extend? After all, her brother's body would already be decaying in the ground. No one needed to smell that. No one needed to see that, let alone her and her sister. And Martha voiced her doubts. But Lord, by this time, there's a bad odor. He's been in there four days. And Jesus' tear-streaked face never left hers as he replied with gentle authority, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Martha couldn't quite believe what she was hearing. What was Jesus really saying? What was he getting at? Again, this stirring in her spirit whispered the truth. But it was, it was too much. It was too fantastical to even entertain such a thought. Wasn't it? Did he really mean? Could he really? How truly great was his power? How far did it reach? She knew... Yes, she knew that he had healed the blind, the cripples, the lepers. She knew that he had fed the multitudes, cast out demons, and even calmed the storm at just the sound of his voice. She knew, and she believed all of that. But could he reach into the grave and death itself and pull someone back after four days? How far was his reach? How great his power. A rotting corpse? This is too much, Lord. My faith does not go this far. But just as on the road, something inside of Martha surged up once more. And with an act of faith as great or greater than her declaration had been upon the road, mustering all that she had, she looked at the helpers and nodded. Their eyes grew wide. But they could not deny the grieving woman, nor disobey the authority of the miracle-working rabbi. And so, with much hesitation, with much trepidation, slowly and carefully, they rolled the stone away. Quickly, they backed away and joined the throng of now enthralled spectators. And there stood Jesus, alone before the yawning grave, To Martha, it seemed as though life and death were squaring off. Two fighters ready to do battle in the arena. The undefeated champion stood there, determined to keep its prize, taunting them. And yet the challenger, equally determined to dethrone it and break its power. And the crowd as one held its breath. Jesus looked up to heaven. Father, I thank you that you've always heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. 
And then, with an impossibly loud voice, one that Martha could somehow feel in her chest, with the voice of the Logos, the word become flesh, Jesus cried out, Lazarus, come forth! Time stood still. There was no other moment, no other place, no other thought, no other person, only Jesus. Only his command, echoing off the rocks and still ringing in their ears. Mary clung to Martha as transfixed they shared in a waking dream. Too good to be true, and yet somehow, impossibly, it was true as Lazarus stepped forth from the grave. The filthy burial claws still wrapped his body. Take off the burial claws. Let him go. Jesus' words broke the spell as the helpers rushed to obey. And as they took away the claws, one by one, underneath was not a decayed corpse. As though awaking from a sleep, there was Lazarus, his skin as fresh and pink and as healthy as a newborn. And there, his eyes blinked as though awaking from a long nap, a confused expression on his face at the setting. But then a smile of joy across his lips as he saw his two sisters rush towards him, and laughing and crying in equal measure, they clung to him. Martha didn't know what to think, but she knew what she felt. Euphoric awe, worship, and love for Jesus that she had never thought possible, even in her wildest dreams. This was a dream. This was wilder than her dreams, and yet somehow it was reality. Yes, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Yes, he who believes in him will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in him will never die. Yes, she believed. Oh, how she believed as she clung to her brother's neck. And then as she looked back at Jesus, their eyes met once more. And the look of love was one that words failed to describe. And with that one look, she wondered... How had she ever doubted him in the first place? Though she didn't know exactly why he had chosen to stay away, she suddenly realized she didn't need to know. All she needed to know was that he truly loved them. He loved them with a love so deep she would never understand the depth of it. And that, in fact, somehow through it all, his purpose for staying away, his purpose for allowing their suffering, had somehow, inexplicably, unexplainably, been motivated by a deeper love than she could comprehend. But though she could not comprehend it, she didn't have to, because she was living in the reality of it. And Martha knew that from that point on, nothing would ever be the same again. That whether Jesus was near or far away, whether he came quickly or whether he stayed away, he was the master of life and death 
Yes, she could trust him no matter what. And most importantly of all, she believed. And so, my friends, today, just as Jesus looked at Martha, I truly believe that right now he is looking at each one of you. I truly believe he's looking at me and he's asking the same question. Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe that I am good even when I stay away? Do you believe that I care even when your loved one is suffering and, yes, even dying? Do you believe that even in trial and tragedy, I have a greater purpose for your good and God's glory than you can understand right now? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that I have truly conquered death and the grave once for all and emerged victorious? Do you believe in me? And if so, how far does that belief extend? So let me ask you, do you believe in Jesus? And when I say believe, I mean, do you believe in Jesus when you are standing at the grave? When you stand in the cemetery at your loved one's graveside, do you believe? Do you believe when you're at the hospital bed? Do you believe when you're going through trials and tragedies and suffering? There is the ultimate question. Do you believe? Martha was put to the test. And she believed. And look what Jesus did with that belief. Mary was put to the ultimate test. And in the end, she believed. And look what Jesus did with that belief. They believed in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. And let me tell you that Jesus wants your faith more than anything else. Because with even the smallest kernel of faith, he can And will show you God's glory in ways you have not even imagined. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I give this to you as my gift of love. Because I love you so much. Thank you that whatever love we give you is only a pale reflection of the love you have poured out for us. You have loved us so deeply with such an everlasting love. We are only scratching at the surface. Your love is so deep. It goes so far. You look from the beginning of time to the end and you look at us in our suffering. And it's not, Lord, that you want us to suffer, but that you have purpose in our suffering. Purpose we can't always understand in the moment, and yet there is love. There is love behind that purpose. And that, Lord, in that suffering, thank you that you weep with us. You weep with us. You are not unmoved by our suffering. You are not unmoved by our grief. You care so deeply. 
that you weep with us in our sorrow, and then you rejoice with us in your glory as you unveil your full plan to bring resurrection and life even at the grave. And so, Father, today I pray for anyone who's currently here today who is somehow, some way in that place, at the grave of whatever it is, Lord, whether it's physically a loved one or something else that just feels impossible. Oh, Lord, let them know that, first of all, though you may seem to be staying away, that you have a reason. Let them know that you love them so deeply that that reason is for their good. And let them know, Lord, that in the end, because you are here, that somehow, some way, everything will turn out in the end for our good and your glory in ways we have not yet imagined possible. And so, Lord Jesus, we pray, show us the glory of the Father here and forevermore. For your sake, we pray. Amen.